107. Gonna start a little early. Gonna do the thing. I know most of you aren't even watching this live anyway anymore. Now it's like life is kind of doing this, it's doing that, I'm back to work, things are happening, maybe I'm sitting outside because I'm enjoying the weather, who knows what's going on, but, you know, um, you can still check this out whenever, you know, and watch it and give us your feedback and let me know what's going on with you. Now, the last couple of times I've talked, at least the last two, uh, we haven't been able to put the audio version out on the podcast on Apple Podcasts simply because I forgot to press record. So that's not the case tonight. I've already pressed record, so this will have an audio version. It will be posted as a podcast. No worries about that. And I will mention something at the end, too, because right now, after this live talk here on Facebook, I'm toying with this idea, with this notion of possibly switching back to mainly podcasts. Now, I don't know what that totally entails or if it just means, you know, every Tuesday or every other Tuesday I'm going to drop a podcast or a short story or something like that, but I'm definitely considering it, um, and I'll check and ask for some feedback at the end of this video so we can come back in the next few days um, over the next week and check and see what you guys think about that. And maybe take that into consideration. So anyway, happy belated birth... Uh, not birthday. Happy belated Father's Day. Jeez, I was looking at Ian. Uh, it's all the fathers out there. Uh, I had for... I don't know. Like, perhaps one of the best Father's Day gifts I've ever been given. It was a scavenger hunt. Ian and I have gotten really good at giving our boys scavenger hunts and creating these things for them. To kind of go and do like on their birthdays or, you know, just special events. And on this Father's Day, my boys, um, two of them, to my two youngest, simply because my oldest was working, they created a scavenger hunt for me. And I don't know about you, but that's pretty awesome. Because sometimes it's those days when it's like, well, here's your day and you get to pick and do whatever you want to do. And it's like, man, I would just love to have it all decided for me. And it's just like, well, here's what you do, and here's what you do. So it was like, here's a scavenger hunt. Solve these clues. Do these things. Go here. Check this out. So anyway, it's pretty awesome. But happy Father's Day out there to you guys. Um, hope you guys are enjoying some good weather wherever you're at. I know it's been sunny here. It just downpoured outside. Um, you might hear a mower next door. Who knows? But we're going to get busy talking tonight. Um, I'm going to... Uh, I was on the phone with a friend yesterday, and he used the word riff. Um, so I was like, ooh, I like the word riff. That's a good one. So I'm going to riff a little bit tonight about just some recent conversations and thoughts, feelings around some of those, simply because it's been on my mind and it's something I can talk to and certainly, certainly relate to. Now, public speaking. Here's where we're going first. Public speaking, it's pretty much my life. It's pretty much my job. Um, it's one of the things I honestly feel better than average at. It's certainly not basketball or football. Um, not better than average at those things. But public speaking, yes. I've been at it for a long time. Um, I wouldn't say I've been perfecting the art, but I have been working at it. Attempting and trying and just really going after it 
You know, I remember being in high school and one of my teachers telling me that I was really good at public speaking um, after I did some persuasive speeches in her class. And she really thought that I would, you know, go into public speaking somehow. I thought she was crazy um, because I just didn't see that being a part of my future necessarily. You know, she actually asked me in high school to come to her college classes and give some speeches so that she could talk about it and use them in class. And I never did it. Um, I was just too nervous. You'd think that after so many years of public speaking, that there are some things that wouldn't happen to me anymore, um, that I wouldn't get nervous, um, that I would be able to eat food beforehand, um, that I wouldn't get sweaty. But all of those things, they still continue to happen. Almost like clockwork, believe it or not. Um, But anyway, public speaking isn't entirely predictable. You would think it would be, right? Like you get up in front of people and you speak. And in this instance, I'm like speaking to a camera. I know you're out there and I know you get to watch this, but it's not the same interaction. So you're up speaking and regardless, like plenty can happen that you didn't even plan on. There are, I mean, times when I work really hard and I study and I work and I, I do all the prep and you practice and you put in time and you win, you know, like it, it, it comes off kind of without a hitch, but there's all the other times when it completely loses and it nose dives and it flops really bad. And man, do I hate those times. Um, then there's like, I mean, here's just a couple of different things that can happen when you're public speaking. There's like the huge belly flop when you deliver a talk and it just flops right? And you feel horrible about it and you're walking away and I've got the inner critic. And so I'm stepping away. And then without fail, one person, one person comes up to you and they just say, Oh my gosh, can I just, can I, can I tell you something? And they pull you aside and they proceed to tell you, man, what you talked about just like went straight into my heart. Um, you couldn't have been more dead on with where I'm at in my life right now, the things you say I'm feeling and you put words to things that I couldn't and your talk helped me so much, right? So it's like the belly flop that turns into a win. It's like, what? How did that even happen? Like belly flop score of 10, 10, 10, right? Across the board. And then there's like the time when you deliver it. Um, you deliver a talk And it comes off without a hitch. You hit this like home run kind of feeling, you know? But then afterwards, right? Like during you're connecting with people, you're tracking with people, and it just feels like gold. It feels like I killed it. Then you walk away and without fail, someone walks up and they say, oh, that was was so cool, like what you talked about tonight. And then they proceed to go on and on about... I don't know, like something that I didn't even realize I must have spoken about, right? Like they talk about like how it changed their life and they're pulling up all these things and I'm listening for it. But like, <laughs> I didn't talk about any of that stuff. And, and it makes me just question the whole time. Were you in the room listening to me talk or, or like, 
were you tracking like somewhere else? Like it's completely other. It's completely weird. And, and it's like, what just happened? I'm not even sure you heard a single word. And so then it's just like, ugh, I don't know what happened with, with that talk. And of course, there's always the people who agree with you very kindly. And then there's the ugly disagreements as well, right? That happen. There's so much that's unpredictable about public speaking. And communication is crazy like that. Like, so many variables, so many different outcomes, so many factors that get involved with communication. It's not necessarily easy to communicate. It can be really hard. It can take a lot of effort. And it doesn't always go as planned. That's almost certain. (laughs) It's very unpredictable. And, okay, so I don't know if you guys have ever heard of this, but there's this Clifton Strengths strengths finder kind of test and it's there's this stuff that's out there you can take it i don't know if you've ever done it i have and here's what's cool i did it um i liked it i thought it was pretty cool i got like a printout a a readout of different things and it seemed pretty accurate as well um i did this like i don't know five ish years ago maybe now but loved it thought it was cool took a lot of great stuff away with it Now, of course it confirmed that I'm good at communicating, that I'm good at public speaking, that that's something, like it's a strength of mine. Um, But underlying like that, there were all of these other strengths that factored into the good communication. And that's some of the stuff I want to talk about tonight. The first one was this thing called discernment. Um, Discernment, what I mean by that is simply this. I'm really good at reading a room. I'm really good at reading individuals as well. It's this idea that I can walk into a room, I can sit in front of a person, and I can almost sense what you're feeling. I pay attention to cues and gestures. I'm reading into those. I'm reading into, like, the feelings. Um, I'm reading into the energy of the room. Like, that's something... Apparently that I'm really good at. And it came up on my strengths finder, believe it or not. Now, here's the funny thing. We all do it. We all make these calls. We all make these judgments. Like, we all try to instinctively read other people. Everything that I've read says that within three seconds, instinctively, this is just something you do when you encounter another individual. Like, you're trying to assess if they're, like, a friend or a foe. Like, you're trying to pull it up and and figure this kind of a thing out. But we're all, to a degree, discerning. And here's the crazy thing. When it comes to communication and having an audience or other people to interact with, you can't forget that it's something like, I wrote this down, 93% of communication is nonverbal. So there's a lot of discernment going on in communication. There's a lot going on there from tone of voice to body language to all of that kind of stuff. So I, I'm really good at it, apparently. (laughs) But guess what? I get it wrong. I get it wrong all the time. 
Like, and getting it wrong is worth noting here tonight when we're riffing about this, like, idea of communication. It's worth noting because when we communicate, we also have to have a humility with us that says, we can get this wrong. With all the discernment that's going on in communication, with all the reading a room and reading other people, like, you have to remember that we get it wrong. Sometimes we get it really wrong. Even when we're good at it. That happens. I don't know if you realize this, but there's a ton of people out there whose default demeanor and facial expression looks like they're not pleased with you. <laughs> right? Like they're not happy. Or maybe their default face of wonder and awe is something like really, you know. And and so that doesn't mean they're in that place. But you could be reading that cue. That's just like a basic one that I'm trying to throw out there. We can get it wrong when it comes to discernment. So watch out, okay? The second thing I wanted to point out, one of my underlying strengths that like contributes to this idea of communication is this word compassion. And a compassion that leads to inclusivity, okay? What I mean by that is... I feel stuff. I feel stuff on behalf of other people, and I include because of it. Like, that's kind of the over... I I feel and I include, which is why my heart tends to hurt when people don't feel like they belong. When they don't feel like they're a part of something, when they feel like they're on the margins, when they feel like they can't fit in. And that's a pretty normal, typical feeling that goes on throughout our lives at different times, different seasons, different stages, in different ways. Now, compassion compels me to action. Action with the intended goal of, like I said, inclusivity. Compassion, though, has a cost. And compassion is this idea of suffering alongside and with others. You have to feel. And that doesn't always feel great, you know? And so a lot of times we just dial down compassion. We get straight to like action and other stuff and and trying to figure it out, but we've got to find a way to crank it up. We've got to find a way to increase the compassion like we're talking about. And so we can be compelled to action through that compassion, we felt a little bit of what they feel. We know some of that suffering. We've tasted it. We've had a piece of it, and we get it. Right? And then we move towards inclusivity. Like, I don't know. They just don't tell you when you're, like, signing up for parenting. Like, if there's ever a class, which there isn't, you just get handed a baby, and you go home paranoid and freaked out that they're, like, in your care. Right? And then it's it's... It's like a guessing game of, <laughs> like, you're doing your best best intentions and all that kind of stuff. But, man, once kids start hanging out with other kids and you're a parent, and that happens for a long time, you have just, like, signed up for suffering. And you didn't even realize it. Like, like it, just, it just happened. I remember every single time one of our kids either had a moment where they were left out of something... Or they were treated in this way, and it ended in tears. And inevitably, I shed some too. And I felt that pain. And we talked things out. 
out, you know, as a family or Ian and I with the boys. And then inevitably what comes next is, hey, so you know how that feels, right? Okay, so now you get how to treat others. Now you understand, right, moving forward, how it feels to be left out, how it feels to be treated like that, how it feels to be called that. However that shakes down, now you know. And you can move through that pain, through that suffering, and you can move in action towards like an idea of inclusivity and not creating that exclusivity that, that, that creates that kind of pain, that kind of like contributes towards that kind of suffering. Now, I have to tell you one other story that's going to kind of pull in both aspects that I've been talking about, these two underlying strengths, this idea of compassion towards um towards inclusivity and this idea of just being able to discern and read and that kind of thing. So a funny story, and I was on the phone sharing it with a friend about a week ago or two. Um, I did it. I did a talk that it had it a long time ago, but anyway, it was basketball back in high school. And we had this tournament called the Gus Macker tournament and a few of my friends, like we got together and we were not the basketball types um, we decided to enter. We wore white shirts and khaki shorts, and we were like, oh, we're going to be awesome. We were mainly awesome because we did have a, a ringer, man. We had a guy who was on the basketball team, Damian Vallis, shout out. Um, tall, amazing. The dude can play ball. He just could. He was amazing. So we're out there playing basketball. I don't even remember. I think it was like a Sunday morning, you know, and they shut down in Decatur, Illinois. They would shut down downtown and and just set up endless, endless basketball, like half court, full court, everywhere. And we were playing, and we were doing pretty good. And we were getting all worked up and and loving it. And there weren't a ton of people at this early game, but we had kind of made it far in the bracket. I don't know how far, Um, but we're playing this game. And it's clear to the other team that, like, Damien possesses talent and not so much, right? Like, the other guys on the team, they're, they're better than I was. Um, but, you know, so they all start, like, double-teaming and, like, making sure that they're covering Damien and stuff starts to get a little physical. You know what I mean? And I'm reading it. Like, that's not hard to read, I don't think. But maybe it is a gift sometimes. But, like, clearly tension is in the air. And something happened, man. Damien got fouled. He ended up getting a bloody nose, hit across the face. He pushed a guy. It just started. And the fight ensued. And without fail, my entire family was there. My sister, my mom, and my dad. And it was like all of a sudden the Gallaghers were on the court and they were, like, in between people being like, calm down, no, 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 no. There's this whole peacekeeping kind of thing, like, occurred. I swear, I never I never got over that because people were always like, oh, those Gallaghers, those peacekeepers, don't get in a fight around Phil's parents or Phil's family because they'll just dive in, man. But it was an interesting moment of trying to read it, to feel what was going on, it was that inclusivity piece of just making sure that everybody feels apart, that no one's left out, that, that like we understand and acknowledge what's going on here, but we also try and diffuse the situation, right? Like it is a game, it is intense, we get it, but there's some stuff happening. You know, like 
it was just this moment. And I'm only telling that story right now, all of that to say this. Lately, I feel like my heart is heavy. I feel like my heart's been, like, breaking, like, the past few weeks. And, like, granted, there's so many people going through so much and going through the ringer. And I'll tell you what, like, with so much hurt out there, with so much miscommunication, with so much lack of compassion, with so much exclusivity, and with so much unrest, it's, it's, it's no wonder your heart might feel heavy and it can just feel so unsettling at the moment. There's just so, so much happening still. Now, I wanted to talk about mis- well, communication simply because we desperately need to communicate right now. And we need to do so in an authentic kind of way. I think we need to be able to authentically communicate. And with that, I also think we need to understand how difficult how unpredictable communication can be. Like, some of the stuff I've already pointed out. Even with the best intentions, even with the perfect circumstances, communication can be really tough and super unpredictable. And if we can have that awareness, if we can walk with that humility, then perhaps we can allow communication to do what we hope it actually will, to help us see and know one another more fully than we did before. So let me get back to just a couple of things. This idea of discernment. This idea of reading other people and and reading a room. Right now with this whole virus situation, I feel like we're on high alert to see nearly everyone as suspect. Right? Like, I feel like we're learning to do that simply because of the virus. I get it. But it's going to have some unconscious implications that we're unaware of. My entire life, I've been trying to not view other people as suspect, right? Because it's very instinctual that within three seconds, we're assessing people and we're projecting onto them and we're slapping stereotypes and we're breaking them down piece by piece. And it's kind of unsettling that right now we're pushed into a mode to like readily just do this, you know? So even the best gifted discerners mess up at reading people. It's true. It's going to happen. So I just want to put the caution out there. I want to put the reminder out there. I want to give you the nudge. I want to say, hey, it's okay. We get it wrong. And sometimes we get it really wrong based on all kinds of cues, based on all kinds of bias. So, I think it's fair to say let's be aware of our bias. Let's be aware of our personal internal bias system that goes on when we encounter other people. In three seconds, we can really mess up communicating authentically with another human being. So here's what I would love. In the three seconds, perhaps, maybe instead we can learn to read ourselves in those three seconds. We can understand that what's happening right now is I'm trying to read someone. I'm trying to read a room. I'm trying to read another individual. Okay, slow down. 
push the brakes, pump them a little bit, and instead read yourself in that moment. Don't attempt to read them. Attempt to read yourself. And be aware, like I said, that like 93% of communication is nonverbal. Can you imagine? Like, that's a huge hurdle to get past. And we've already talked about, like, communication can be hard enough. Like, can you imagine trying to communicate with someone who just wouldn't listen? They wouldn't even listen. I mean, it's nearly impossible to communicate in that circumstance, in that context. Communication is always this kind of two-way street. Always a two-way street. So lumped in here with this idea of discernment, with this idea of reading yourself, I want you to be aware that you have to listen. You actually have to listen. You have to close your mouth. <laughs> like, you have to open your ears and your heart and your mind. Like, and you have to listen intently. You have to listen actively, right? Like, that's what we do. Like, we listen with the intent to not calculate our next words, right? To not perhaps stack up an argument for a rebuttal, but you listen with the intention to know the other, to hear the other, and to see the other. Also, that you can become closer and understand one another. That's a part of this discernment and reading yourself that's going on when you get into communication. Now, I also mentioned compassion, so I want to go back to that. Allowing your heart to be broken. Allowing it to feel something. Allowing it to be, like, I love the word compassion. I always shrink it down to the word compass a little bit to remind myself of what's supposed to be happening here. But it's like, allow my heart to break, allow my heart to feel, and then allow my heart to show me true north. Right? To compel me to action and to show me where to go. It would be awesome if we could allow our heart to feel and break and guide us. Especially right now. With all that's going on. There's so much happening in the world. Now, can we increase our compassion? Can we take steps towards inclusivity? I mean... I've got so many different people in my life, right, that have different points of view, and rightfully so, right? Because you're an individual, you have a story, like, you're going to have a point of view that I just don't have, simply because of that. And I feel like lots of times our points of view are more about us. It's more about our story, right? I used to hang out with students all the time back in the day when there were compact discs, CDs, And one of my favorite things was asking a student, hey, let me see your CDs, you know, because it became this kind of story that unfolded before you. They wanted to show you the bands and they wanted to talk about them because they felt like those bands were a reflection of themselves. And you could learn a lot about a student asking them what kind of music they listen to and seeing their collection, their library. I feel like points of view are often a piece of that. It's like, it, it, it's less about like persuasion and, 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 and trying to convince someone like you need to have mine, but it's like, here's a part of my story. Here's a part of who I am. Here's where I've come from. Here's, you know, 
And, and we're talking about that idea of communication and that idea of like doing it authentically and, and not reading the individual, reading yourself, checking yourself and making sure that you listen, right? And then like through that listening, having that compassion and then that inclusivity to be like, you know what, let's meet on this middle space. Let's create this new ground where we're both here and we share our points of view. And we might not win one another over, but man, afterwards, I hope that we've listened and I hope that we know one another more and we're respectful and we're like, we treat one another with that respect. We've created that kind of inclusivity, that space. Now, just to go back, discernment of ourselves. We need more discernment, but of ourselves and our own biases. Less reading others and more reading ourselves. And when it comes to listening, we need more of it. We need active listening, intentional listening, not to plot and persuade and and win someone over, but to learn who they are, to see who they are, to know them, to get closer to them and to really, really hear them. We need to dial up and increase our compassion. Like we can't hide it anymore. And we need to like uncover it and find it because it's in there. I promise. We need to learn to let it break our hearts and direct our steps and our actions and our words and compel us to action. Especially actions of inclusivity, whatever those might be. Actions that bring us together, actions that help us know one another and know one another more fully. We can all get better at communicating. I've been doing it forever, and sometimes I feel like I'm a brand new student and I still get nervous and I still get sweaty and I still can't eat before I get up and talk. Um, But communication, revealing ourselves to each other, taking that risk and making it happen, um, and creating that space and that connection in an authentic way, that always brings us closer. And I was just talking with a friend yesterday, and I'm... I'm a little disheartened sometimes that we don't grow closer together um, than we have in recent, recent months, you know? And I know there's pain, and I know we work through the pain, and I know that we have to have a voice, and we have to hear um, those that suffer, and I know, I know that we can grow closer together all of us, across all the spectrums, (laughs) all of us. And so I just wanted to talk about communication. I wanted us to be a little bit aware. I wanted to talk about it with a little bit of heart um, and to put it out there and to challenge all of us to have that discernment towards ourselves, to read ourselves and to listen and to have compassion to find it, to increase it, and to create inclusivity as much as we can. I'm putting that out there. And this is like full spectrum. This is like um, at work with your families, with strangers. Um, Communication, it's tough. And 
when we approach it with that kind of humility and when we can also kind of like encounter others who are willing to communicate and listen and do the give and take and create that two-way street, it's pretty, it's pretty awesome. So I'm putting that out there. Now you guys get to go be students and practice the art of communication, right? Like in all your different spheres and all your circles of life. Now, after you've listened to this video, and if you made it all the way to the end, that'd be great. If you could, um, I just wanted to say a couple of things about like yes or no on videos, you know what I mean? Like, or podcast. If you want to throw a comment away, if you want to shoot us an email, whatever that might be, we would love to know if um, you're cool with things switching over to podcast or if you're like, oh, no, let's do every other one or something like that. I don't know. Um, we're still just trying to feel this whole thing out. I just know being a communicator, it is not easy to talk to a computer screen or a camera like this um, and then realize that people are watching it like whenever. Uh, it's crazy. It's crazy. Um so, you know, and I always have to get looking nice, too. And with a podcast, I could just sit behind a microphone and do my thing. But <laughs> um, let us know what you're thinking. That would be great. Great, great. And then, yeah, just be on the lookout and stay tuned for what's happening with MTL next. Go over to our website. It's uh, com, And you can get on the email list. Um, that'll probably be the easiest way to know what's happening because tonight I didn't even text people. Normally I text everybody. Um, I didn't text anybody today. I only sent out the email. So my bad. I apologize. Um, so share the video with some people that you know uh, that, that probably <laughs> missed it or didn't realize it was even happening. All right? Yeah. Guys, I don't know. It's always fun to talk with you. It's always fun to share. It's always fun to think. Um, until next time, we'll see you soon. All right.